What's up? Welcome in. Sports 1140 KHDK on this Tuesday, December 21st. Hello to everyone joining us on YouTube as well. We appreciate that you are there uh, watching the show. Um, that's one way to do it. Checking us out here in studio. Also over the air on KHDK or on KHDK.com or a smart speaker. However it is, we do appreciate you uh, checking us out here today. We do have a full show. We go three till six today. Plenty of things for us to cover and plenty of people to help us along the way, including Lincoln Kennedy. Fresh off that great win yesterday for the Raiders over the Browns, a season-saving win. Lincoln Kennedy will be joining us at around four o'clock. At five o'clock, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. He will be joining us. So we look forward to checking in with Chris Landry. Uh, Again, that's at 5 o'clock, and we'll take you all the way up till 6 right here on Sports 1140 KHK. We hope you enjoyed the Golf to Go Golf Hour. Always uh, great having conversation about golf with Frank LaRosa as uh, we just wrap that one up. Time to go all in on flavor with Wingstop's all-in bundle. Get it today at Wingstop.com. All right, like we said, plenty for us to cover. There's more football today as the wraparound from the weekend. There's still two games to go. We'll tell you about that. But let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, so First Things First, let's start with the Sacramento Kings. As yesterday, the Kings were in San Francisco trying to uh, defeat the Golden State Warriors and uh, ended up being a, a rough fourth quarter for the Sacramento Kings. Horn sounds. The Warriors end up winning it by 15, 113-98. to They've won the last three meetings against the Kings. They improved their record to 25-6, and which puts them on equal footing now with the Phoenix Suns for best record in the NBA. The Kings' road record with this loss, now 6-10, and They'll return home to face the L.A. Clippers on Wednesday. Yeah, that's the next game for the Kings tomorrow night at home against the Clippers. They try to get their third win of the year against the Clippers. Uh, look, we'll, we'll get into the dive, deep dive of the game. You guys know the situation the Kings are in, and you know Coach Doug Christie is coaching this team right now with Alvin Gentry out and health and safety protocols. This is uh, continuing to happen. Even a new one got added to the list today for the Kings, and Namias Keita. So they're down. They're down personnel, and they're fighting. Yesterday's game, to me, is a loss. That's the bottom line, right? You get a win or a loss. Um, They played a better team than them. So you go in, even if you're fully healthy, you don't expect to beat the Warriors. You want to compete. The Kings competed, and that's what you want. I I think Sacramento showed a lot of good things yesterday. In a season that has more losses than wins, there's plenty of losses that we could gripe about, be mad about, be frustrated about. Um, It's not a moral victory situation. But yesterday, I left watching that game and broadcasting with the G-Man and Henry and Deuce and our whole crew, RJ, that I didn't think – I wasn't down on that. I wasn't mad about the performance. I didn't go home and, and take the loss with me for a couple of extra hours. I don't even know if I want to go as far as I was proud of them. I mean, you know, that's more of what maybe coaches and other players would say. But I thought they battled the compete level that coaches talk about. That was there. They were engaged. They they tried. They competed it was a little uh, several things. It was execution. The Kings were sloppy with the basketball. When you're being critical of the way they play, that's it. I mean, that was an area that derailed them. But also, when you get to fourth quarter and winning time, their best players stepped up. Steph Curry is the best player on the floor. He had a huge fourth quarter. Draymond Green has a triple double. You have some of the better players from the Warriors 
being active defensively. It's the best defense in the league. And a team that also, the other byproduct of the Kings with a trimmer and slimmer roster, playing the second night of a back-to-back, it sure seemed, and the Warriors rested players the game prior, it sure felt like a game of you combine all of that. One, the Warriors are better. Two, they've got a better defense. They were rested and fresher, had more available bodies. All of those things started to take effect as the game went along and Sacramento lost. So they deserve to lose. They should have lost, but they played well. They played hard. They played hard. They competed. The mistakes were the turnovers, but you know, when they were down early, I thought, oh man, this one's going to get really out of hand. And it felt like it was really close to happening. And then Buddy Heald got crazy hot and the Kings got back in the game and actually had the lead. I was really excited and um, happy for the team to do that, to not get run out of the gym. And you enter the fourth quarter, you want to have a chance to win. And the Kings had that. Then the fourth quarter came around and the Golden State Warriors um, really did the combo of defending better. And when the Kings rested a few of their key personnel, it just was too much to take. And that's when you've already got three starters or three bench players that are starters. Half of your bench is already depleted. And then you're asking the the very end of your bench to be contri- key contributors. And they got it, let's say, two games ago from a guy like Damian Jones, who was incredible. Well, not the same results yesterday. You're playing a different team, one, and you're not at home, and it's not the second night of a back-to-back. But there was some good there. The starting five was solid. It got a little depleted when she went to the bench. And as this goes along, you hope the Kings get people back. I'm not sure if it'll be tomorrow, because then if it's not tomorrow, then the Kings don't play again until the 26th, and it just gives you even a little more time, especially on the injury front for a guy like Holmes and on the health and safety protocols for the rest. So it's an ever-changing, ever-fluid sports world right now, and we'll explain that as we continue to go along. But in the end, it was the Warriors that got the win, 113-98. We'll talk more about that as we continue, but more first things first. First things first. From the gun, quick lob over the top. Edwards reaches up and grabs it. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Round two. Dead on. Yes. The Raiders sideline explodes. I give a jackpot, partner. Jackpot, baby. There you baby. go. <laughs> wow. A hard-fought win. And for the first time this season, the Raiders have scored... Uh, haven't scored over 17 points, and they found a way to win a game. Yeah, that's a great point by Lincoln Kennedy, who will join us at 4 o'clock. He had to remind Brent, come on, where's Jackpot, baby? Uh, they got the Jackpot, baby, and he had done it on, uh, excuse me, on the first field goal, but they didn't realize there was a timeout, so then they had a second kick. Still counted. Yeah, so he, he had to double the Jackpot. It was a double down? <laughs> he had to double down. Yeah. Double down. Double, double down now. Double down. If that gets stuck in my head, I'm going to beat you to death. Acceptable. I will take that. That is worthy of it. You know what? Sometimes I'm like, Chris, that's too far. But not this time. Not this time. It's accepted. Um, how about the coach, Rich Bisacci, on the win? Real excited for our, our guys and um, to win a game in that fashion and play with the effort that they played with all the way to the bitter end. You wouldn't look like, you know, probably it was going to go the other way um, to come back and have a drive and um, to stop them and then get the punt out and, and then have a drive and go down and give Daniel a chance to, to hit a field goal. Um, well done by our players. That's a good win. I mean, and the excitement, the way they celebrated after. I mean, a walk-off wins are great. Playoffs were on the balance. I don't think the Raiders are making it, but they're still alive. They are still alive, and they're hanging on by a thread, but they would have been basically out and no chance to make it. 
So they needed it. They found a way. And let's also remember, we just talked about the Kings and all the guys out in COVID protocols. The Browns had the game that was moved by the league to Monday. The Browns still had a ton of players out and coaches out, but the Raiders found a way even late after throwing that pick. Derek Carr got the ball back, and that's what he says here about uh, telling the defense, give me one more chance. Please just get I promise we'll win the game. <laughs> you know, uh, I promise we'll win it. Just get it back. And uh, and, and the defense did, and, uh, and we were able to, you know, go back down the field and win the game. Yeah, so a really needed win for the Raiders. I mean, they had to have it. They got it. Wasn't their best performance, but that's you know when you're when you're scratching and clawing and trying to find a way. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's your best performance. But the Raiders maintain in that middle ground. As I've said, they're not a great team. They're not a terrible team, and that's what they look like. They have and everything last night. They're seven and seven. Like the the Vikings won last night. They are a whole bunch of average. I mean, that's exactly what the Vikings are. They made a ton of mistakes. They just played a worse team. The Bears are a mess. But the Niners, excuse me, the Vikings got the win. They went to seven and seven. Raiders got their win. They went to seven and seven. And the Bears, they're gone. They're eliminated as they fall to four and ten. I'd like to go back to what you said about the Vikings being average. Mm-hmm. I think at their best, they're average. And at their worst, bad. Okay. And, but they kind of interception. Oh my gosh! So great. I'm glad you sent that one to me. Kirk Cousins, one of those classic, I guess I say classic, you think there's a penalty, so you it's a free play. Throw deep. Well, you still throw deep to your guy or attempt to throw deep to one of your players. To a person. Yeah, not in the other team. And there was nobody downfield but the Bears' safety. It almost looked like a punt return. Yes. <laughs> and he threw it right to the Bears, and you're going, well, he's probably going, that's fine. It's, it's a hold, and we're going to get the ball back. It's one of those where the person is so wide open that you kind of think like if they drop it, it's one of those things that they were so open they just that they it just too much. overthought it yes. too much. And uh, it was an easy pick. I don't know, 15, 20-yard return. And I'm sure Cousins thought, well, that's fine because we're just going to get the penalty, move the ball downfield. Nope, no penalty. And said a very embarrassing interception. So good for the Raiders, though. We'll talk more about that with Lincoln when he joins us at 4 and also uh, more about it with uh, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, when he joins us at 5. First things first. First things first. first. Well, football junkies, we got more football. We haven't even wrapped up week 15 yet as there's two more games thanks to COVID protocols, health and safety. Uh, the Rams, it's, the Rams went into this situation so long ago, they're actually getting a few players back. Remember, they were a team that was about 25 players that went into health and safety protocols. I think it's down to about 12 that I see today, 13. So they're getting some names back. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play. I think Henderson, uh, Von Miller might be clear. Like there's, there's a few more players that have been cleared. They are going to host the Seahawks today. That one's coming up at about 45 minutes. Also, Washington football team who has been absolutely decimated by health and safety protocols. Uh, they're going to be in a situation today where they are scrambling again at the quarterback position, and it's going to be Garrett Gilbert who will start at quarterback for the Washington football team today because neither Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke are going to be activated. So uh, scratching the bottom of the barrel there for Washington, but they're going to take on Philadelphia. So your two games today that are still continuing here to wrap up this last week of action, Washington and Philly, Seattle, and the Los Angeles Rams. And again, those are coming up at four. We'll keep you up to date on those games as the show rolls along. First things first. Close things first. 
All right, the next one, we're, we're labeling this one on First Things First about what the NHL has elected to do, but we're back to a topic we've been talking about for a while. If you did not hear yesterday, the NHL has elected to shut down all activities through Christmas. I have said this. Chris has talked about it too. Like, what is the right answer? I, I don't claim to have the right answer. I don't. I'm not suggesting even what the NHL is doing is wrong, but I do question it because I think my opinion – if you're shutting down, like it has to be a shutdown. And so what does that mean? I would say more than two weeks. I don't know, three, two weeks, two weeks minimum would be, would be, I think if you're in that line of thinking that this is too widespread, we're, we've got to get this under control. I don't think two weeks necessarily does that. Maybe not three, but if you want to keep the league functioning just through Christmas, Chris, that's like four days away. And teams have been hit in the NHL and travel restrictions are going on. The NBA has made it clear that they want to keep going. They're allowing teams to add players, though some of these situations are getting very dicey. And I I did see people say that the other day. Well, this is no fair. Why are the Kings playing? The Kings are playing these games when some of these other teams got postponed. Remember, the Kings had 11 available players, not their best 11. They still had 11 these last two games. Now, they're they're down to their near end of the bench, but they had 11. You have to be under eight, so they've been a couple players clear. This isn't an ideal situation. Let's put it that way. The only way you could do it worse, I think, would be if you just didn't do anything. But so I think I think of this idea of like, oh, you, you know something's wrong. You don't want it to keep going forward, so we're going to take a couple days off. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And again, I go back to that, and you can hit us on the text line if you've got a thought on that, or if you've got a thought on uh, through our YouTube chat as well. Um, what is the answer? How do you do this? The NHL has elected to say that. They've also said they're not going to have their players play in the Winter Olympics. So they've made a stance there, and these leagues are at, at a crossroads. Again, these are happening in progress. It, it felt like – now, the leagues have set up protocols for – either testing or non-testing and safety and masking and um, who's vaccinated, who's not. But it clearly is something that by numbers is getting worse. And I, you know, by all accounts, hearing different information about the NBA and how things are being done, there was a ton of testing that was happening before. You know, one of the numbers of pride I think the league had, Chris, was when they were in Orlando in the bubble, which they made that work amazingly well. But they would test all the time. But they had everybody kind of self-contained, and there really was not a lot of people going out. They, they were kind of truly the definition of a bubble. And you'd get reports weekly, like they've all been tested, and zero positive cases out of whatever it was, 400 players. Well, now teams are testing once there's word or thought that some players could have symptoms or someone in the organization. And when that happens, I think there's a surprise that all of a sudden, whoa, the words outbreak come out. That's what Woj first said about the Sacramento Kings. And there was a decent amount. I mean, there's a lot of players in health and safety protocols. They don't have a center. And their backup center just got put on the safety and protocols. Their well, backup, backup's backup. They've got a couple. Tristan Thompson and Damian Jones. Eh. Yeah. But, yeah, they've been decimated by one injured in homes, Len in protocols, now Kata's in protocols. Uh, we were really worried when, before the first game of this when it was Fox, Mitchell, and we thought Halliburton was out with injury. He was questionable, but he played. And he'll be another story here that we'll talk about how well he's played in kind of this feature role. But, 
you know, the NFL seemingly is is going on and adding players to practice squads. We're going to hear some audio later in the show from Adam Silver about kind of their plan, their direction. Now they've they've postponed some games, but they're all to make those up. But they're really trying their best. All these leagues seemingly to have the show go on, keep the schedule as is. There's even talk now, Chris, about the NBA and Christmas with maybe having some flexibility on even game times for some of these. Again, I, you know, I don't know what the right answer is. These leagues are trying to do their best, and I, I already know. I mean, people think differently just in our society. Some look at play, play. It's no issue. Okay, don't play. Shut it down. Stop for a month. Is that the right? I, I, we're we're in that. In between land, what well, is the right answer? You're never going to have the right answer because as society, as the leaders of our government right now, they're kind of just saying, ah, figure it out on your own. Well, true. And then the reality is even if – it doesn't even matter which sport. They came up with, oh, that that actually was perfect. Well, I thought the bubble worked really well. They don't have time to do that. People didn't. Some people thought that was bad, didn't like it. This is a terrible idea. You're never going to please everybody. But can you keep true to your business, true to your fans, true to the game – and that's where the question becomes, because as someone who enjoys the sport and wants to be safe and healthy, I like watching the games. It's entertainment. I enjoy it. But you know what? In all honesty, watching Steph Curry go against Justin Robinson last night, who's a 10-day signing for the Kings, like I'd like to see that be De'Aaron Fox. I'd like to see that be Tyrese Halliburton. I'd like to see that be Davion Mitchell. We're not in that spot right now. So if the league is going to go on, you're going to get some of these broken situations. Yeah, true to the game is gone. Right. That was gone a long time ago. Yeah. It, this, everyone, they're not even hiding it. This is about the money that they're bringing in. True. And it's one of the things that as – now, if the Players Association really – if players really had a problem with it, they could go to their union and say like, hey, this isn't safe. We don't like this. We don't want to play. But it doesn't sound like that's even in – a thought that's crossing players' minds. So it's like, okay, this is something that we're going to just have to deal with. We're going to have a crazy amount of G League players coming in yeah. and out, and that's it. I think th- this text is interesting because I think we're going to get to this spot. If I had to predict, Chris, this text says, as long as players are vaccinated like these leagues ask them to be and players are asymptomatic, let them play and continue the games. I could see getting there, but also this is where you want a little bit of help. Like, I just don't know. I mean, I guess for lack of a better term, if some of these leagues weren't testing until there were symptoms, were these players already positive that were playing? And maybe they were functioning just fine. Doesn't mean they can't still transmit it, but I think we're walking around in a world right now that people are COVID positive and probably but are they being responsible I, again we're back to the with the puzzle of this um if if trying to find the right lane the right avenue here oh there isn't one yeah well and then the other part too is literally when a let's take any random team when a player tests positive there's different pools that they go in are you vaccinated if you're not well then there's like complete removal from the team um if you're vaccinated boosted you can maybe have a couple of negative tests you could be back pretty quickly well we haven't seen that for everybody, but some teams have had that. So it's a it's a constant evolving situation for all these leagues. And I know a lot of people like, hey, if you're asymptomatic and you're, you've got your vaccine, you should be able to play. And to me, I don't think I don't know if that's the answer because you're you can still carry it on to other people right and this isn't just like oh, okay well if you get another teammate this is your 
family, your teammates' family, other people that you come Coaches, in contact with. the support staff. I would be upset if someone, like someone around here working here, just like, oh, yeah, I'm vaccinated. And, I know uh, I'm positive and I'm coming to work. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. You know, that that's what we're saying, right? If you're allowing a player that, well, I tested positive, but I have no symptoms, so I'm coming to work. It's like, hmm. I don't think that would happen in the workplace, but again, now we're in a, here's where we are. So then if it's not that, if you're saying no, then the league, you have to be comfortable with saying, yeah, this Christmas game that we had that was highlighted with Giannis and LeBron, I know they're not playing, but has six G leaguers in it. Okay. That's your sport. That's what you're doing. I'm watching this Monday night football game to see, or this, yeah, Monday night game, Monday afternoon game to see Derek Carr versus Baker Mayfield. It wasn't Baker Mayfield. I'm in it to see Case Keenum. It wasn't Case Keenum. Now, Nick Mullins, is, he's been a quarterback, but here we are with Washington. Just told you about their team. Um, Gilbert's quarterbacking today. They just signed him. It's the production we're going to get if we keep uh, keep going along this way. Um, yeah, the first step will go a long way. Vax requirement by the league. Well, that league can't require that. That's where the Players Association protects the players. You know, our society has people that have different beliefs, and the players don't have to do it. Now, the support staff ha- has to, has to, non-negotiable. Players do not. So we shall see. All right, let's go. Let's continue with one more thing here on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, last topic here on First Things First. This uh, came across yesterday, but the A's have themselves a new manager. Mark Kotze has been named the new manager of the Oakland A's taking over for Bob Melvin. Tough shoes to fill. Bob Melvin was a terrific manager, and he's going to do great, I believe, in San Diego with all that talent. Um, I'm really nervous about what the A's year will look like. They they always seem to find ways to win. I think a lot of that has to go to Bob Melvin and the existing talent that they have. You know they constantly move on from some of these high-profile guys and or develop them here, and then they go to play for the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Cardinals, whoever else. So we'll have to wait and see what their roster is once baseball gets back up and running, but the guy that will be running things for the A's will be Mark Kotze being named the new manager of the A's. All right, first break for us coming up. Again, still to come, Lincoln Kennedy at 4, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com at 5. When we come back, the Kings... They didn't have enough against the Warriors, but we saw some good things. We're going to get into that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK, Jason Ross here with you. Glad you're with us here uh, this afternoon. Time to go all in on flavor with Wingstop's All In Bundle. Get it today at wingstop.com. Again, we uh, take you till 6 o'clock today as... uh, We've got plenty of things to cover. I want to kind of jump back into the Kings. We're going to be a little all over the place with NFL, with the NBA, and anything else that's uh, breaking this afternoon. As we said, Lincoln Kennedy to join us at 4. And then at 5 o'clock, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. The NFL games will get started at 4 o'clock. We will also uh, keep you up to date 
on uh, those situations and those games and those scores as well. Uh, but want to go back to the Sacramento Kings last night. And, you know, a couple of things regarding the Kings and how they're playing and and really what they're doing right now. To watch them play uh, severely undermanned. And, you know, we were talking about being proud and being enjoying what, watching what they're doing. I've just, I've loved what Doug has done. And I know that's going to sound like, well, of course you're saying that because you, you know him and you've worked with him and whatever. I, I, I'm not even trying to convince anybody of anything other than that. I've enjoyed what he's done. I think he's done a really good job in the circumstances, in the situation. And as I mentioned on Twitter, maybe after his first game, I was just so happy that he won. I mean, I know what he wants. I know where he wants to be. And I don't think he necessarily wants this job right now, right this second, though he would take it. I think it's a situation where this is Alvin Gentry's job. Doug has been asked to do a role, and he's done it very well. He's done it his way. He's done it differently. He's been much more of an upbeat kind of positive guy. But you could see sometimes, especially the home games, we've seen him get after guys when he's needed to. And what I personally love for Doug is I know that this is what he wants And it's just such a beautiful opportunity out of circumstance, right? Out of chaos creates opportunity. Well, his opportunity in this chaos is a chance to do a dress rehearsal. But these games count, and he's being evaluated. His players are evaluating him. We're evaluating him. Front office is evaluating him. And when Alvin Gentry comes back, he goes back into his role. But now he's done it. And if Doug had any doubt on whether or not he could do it, now he's done it. And he's learned. He's even said in some of these post games, yeah, I realized that game I probably should have called a timeout here. It's different when you're one as an analyst, as a former player. As a player, you're just kind of playing. You're you're trying to do what you need to do to help your team in that situation. As a coach, you're trying to put the players in the position to succeed, to handle what the other team is is presenting to you. And like last night, here comes Golden State with a box and one on Tyrese Halliburton. A pretty smart decision by Coach Kerr and the Warriors staff because there's not a lot of playmakers overall on the Kings roster, but you took a major one away in De'Aaron Fox and not a ton of great ball handlers besides Tyrese Halliburton right now. And there's guys that can handle the ball, but it's different than handling the ball versus like creating for others, for yourself, uh, dictating tempo, putting pressure on a defense. That's the kind of thing that a true ball handler slash point guard slash kind of facilitator of the offense can do. So Tyrese Halliburton had to go through that. Doug had to figure out a way to help him through that. Succeed, fail, all of that stuff. And not just Doug, the whole coaching staff. So I like that he's personally had that opportunity to go through kind of live situations where when his time comes to be a head coach, he will have had past experiences that will help him. I mean, Steve Kerr is showing up at that game right now, and he's been through everything. Greg Popovich the other day has been through everything and then some. You know, there's coaches that are new at it that you have to – first time I ever did a show. I mean, I, I'm figuring out, okay, I, I've seen, I've listened to different people, Grant at the time and other people that were here or doing weekend shows or whoever I'd – people that I grew up listening to, to people that I worked with, you you hear people, you're influenced. But what is it when the mic's on for you, for me in this case, or at your job? Like, I know how to do this, and then your first day, like, you're doing it. Well, sometimes you have to make the mistakes and have the success and go through the true life experiences 
like they say, if you could become 10,000 hours in a, in a, of experience, you become what would be an expert. You just have so much core competence and knowledge of that field, of that hobby, of that job, of that craft, whatever it might be. And so this team right now is all jumbled up because it's regular players of most nights rotation. It's not there. So what has been the good out of this? To me, the best thing that has happened is we have seen Tyrese Halliburton now for about three games, three to four games, play, I would say, the true star position, if there's such a thing. And not not meaning that, oh, Tyrese is scoring 40 a night and that kind of, He has been put in the spot where he is running the team – and the team needs him, needs him to be aggressive. And there's a difference. Tyrese can can float sometimes, not in a negative way. He's very good at reading the game, reacting to situations. His instincts are phenomenal. But if Harrison Barnes is cooking, well, Tyrese can take a back seat. If it's going well for Rashawn Holmes, for De'Aaron Fox, for Buddy Heald, he knows how to to get out of the way is probably the wrong term, but he knows how to do that. And let other people shine. He can also help those people shine. And in this case, when he is there as really the primary weapon, and that could be score or facilitator, assist guy, he has really thrived. And this feels different by watching it than a classic case of, hey, everybody's out. You give somebody 40 minutes, they give you production. I don't think it looks like that to me. I think it looks like, wow. This team can function very, very well with Tyrese Halliburton as the lead dog, as the lead guy. I mean, it can. Now, you'd like to see more of a sample size, but the minutes he's played, when he's been aggressive, the time he's attacked, he's done very, very well. And there's still things, there's still parts in his game that have to improve, and that will. He's in year two. He gets away with probably too much of this that hasn't burned him enough. But, man, does he like to drive and jump and leave his feet. And more times than not, seemingly lately, the first option gets taken away that he's looking at. And maybe even the second. He's still in error when all this is happening. And then he just finds that third player that might bail him out. Not all the time, though. He does turn it over some. And because of that that habit of jumping before he's completed his pass like he's going to leave his feet and now I'm going to pass where if he can stay on the ground keep his dribble or make up his mind first but part of the trick is some of that sets up some incredible passes that he makes so it's finding picking the right time but he's he's a little bit vulnerable there that would be picking apart his game the positive though of of what has looked great like last night another 24 and 11 I want to look at Tyrese's last three games when he's really been in this kind of featured role and I know it's been good we were going over some of those numbers yesterday and just the consistency 24 and 11 27 and 11 21 and 10 in that first game uh what were his assists in the first half um the Memphis game yeah or you think in the Spurs the other night well the Spurs I knew it was like 10 yeah they listed him officially at 11 at the half and then they took one away at half so they they went through the box score and and but he ended with 11, but he had 10 at halftime. Yeah. And I like his his record is 11, 
And I think you were at the game. I'm like, he's going to annihilate that. He'll get to like 17. He got one more in the second half. <laughs> but um, even if you go to the game before, he had nine assists. I mean, he's he's had 11 assists, three different, four different games this month. So, and the thing is, too, is his best like partner to pass to this season has been Rashawn Holmes. Correct. And he hasn't and been missing. there for any of that. Yeah. So that's a two-man game that has been lethal that we have always said, can't that be him and Marvin sometimes? It's not as clean and as smooth as Holmes, but feels like that can be. And you start to hope that the Kings get some players back. But that's going to lead us to what we're going to talk about next. The Kings have themselves a problem, but it's a good one. I think it's a good one. I see people worried about it, complaining about it, thinking something else should happen. We'll tell you what this problem is. I do think it's a good one, but they got to figure it out. We'll explain that when we come back here on KHDK. Stumbles a bit. Two defenders there. Packs the baseline. Makes a pass stolen by Halliburton. Good opportunity for the Kings as Halliburton pushes toward the right wing. Slows down. Hits a trailing Chemezi Metu. He drives toward the rim. Running right-hand flip is good. Chemezi Metu and the Kings back within five. 12 points now for Metu. And on the scoreboard is Steve Kerr calls timeout. It's 73-68. Tyrese now decides to rock. Fire for three. He's got the triple. Tyrese Halliburton continuing his terrific push tonight with 24 points. That ends a 10-0 Warriors run. Here's Curry, however, straight away. He answers with a three. He was leaning away on that release, but he still found nothing but net. Yeah, last night, Kings lost to the Warriors, but we saw, as we said, going to break a lot of good things from Tyrese Halliburton. So here's what I've seen. Here's what's been talked about lately, and I've been very complimentary of Tyrese Halliburton in that starring role, in that lead role where I've seen others mention, oh, well, it's clear you can definitely trade Fox now. And sure, you can. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm looking at it as what the Kings currently have, and I don't think it should be a problem, but they've got to figure out to find the best way to find the magic of De'Aaron Fox, all the great stuff that he brings and provides, because we can't forget that De'Aaron was playing really well before these health and safety protocols, and is is an amazing player. But so is Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, when you look at the two, if you could pin down a strength of Tyree of De'Aaron Fox, to me it's speed with the basketball. And if he can be early transition, early fast break, early offense, I think he is a major problem and puts so much pressure on defenses. Now, if teams get back in transition, slow that down, get you in the half court, that's where Tyrese has got to be involved. So I know De'Aaron has played off the ball more this year. I don't think that suits his game the best, but I don't think you want to cater to just one player. Now, De'Aaron's arguably their best player, but Tyrese is so good at making everyone else better. So I think De'Aaron, one, has to figure out how he can fit in best when he is off the ball with Tyrese. Two, also when he doesn't have it in early offense or doesn't have it in a fast break or isn't the primary guy, um... Can Tyrese not take such a backseat watching De'Aaron? I mean, it's it's a really it's a push and pull here. Where what I'm my point is, Chris, is you want to find the best of both, 
And I think too many people are thinking, oh, this is repeating. They don't do the same things, but they both need the ball. That's a little bit of the trick. But I think you can do that. I think you're wasting time, to be honest, if it's through Buddy Heald or through even Davion at times. Now, if one of them's off the floor, that's fine. But if you're playing three guards, it's got to go through De'Aaron or Tyrese initially and kind of generating what you want to do. And I think the only problem you could say with Tyrese this season is when he's not being aggressive. Yes, and I think this that would be the byproduct of what this has taught him. He's had to be. And some of those nights, I think it happened for De'Aaron, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I'll get 16 on 11 shots. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is a year ago, two years. Like, you have to get 25, and you have to be your fingerprints all over the game. And I think when all these guys have been out, I think Doug has also told Tyrese, like, go. Go get it. Go shoot 25 times. It's okay. Go get 25 and 10 and 15 if you can. Like, you need that kind of game. And what's crazy is the amount of assists that he's had. Yeah. And the players that are on the court. Correct. And he he has the ability to make so many people better. And it's not like De'Aaron doesn't share the ball. I'm not, I'm not saying De'Aaron needs to be a ball hog by any means or never have the ball. It's can Alvin Gentry and or Doug or the rest of the coaching staff find a way to fit the best of both. My example, and this isn't – I don't know if this is going to relate to everybody, but Sac State this year for football – played two quarterbacks and you know this oh if you have two you don't have one it worked they played they found the best of both they played two all year long and they had a great year went undefeated in league and made it to the playoffs it it, in this case can you find the best of Tyrese and the best of De'Aaron as opposed to oh you can't play them together or one's got to be on the bench or trade one now ultimately if you do that you do that but while they're here, I think you have to find the best of both. I think the perfect world would be with Tyrese and Fox would for Tyrese to have the ball and trust that he would make the correct decision and he would know when to give it to Fox and just be Fox. Go to the basket, score. Yeah. I, I think if you're in the half court and, and Tyrese can't create anything, they call it like a grenade to give some of the ball with like three seconds left. De'Aaron needs to be the grenade. Like, De'Aaron can create something by himself with three seconds left. Now, that's sometimes it might be ugly and, and a bad shot, but if anybody can beat the first guy that puts pressure on defense, it's De'Aaron. But you also, I, to me, I don't want De'Aaron just standing in the corner. No. Like, that's you. Like, so where is the the push and pull? Like I said, maybe the rebound. Okay, Tristan Thompson gets the rebound. If he looks and outlets, it could go to Tyrese, but it could also go to De'Aaron. It needs to be one of those two and go and see what either one can one can create with his speed or Tyrese with his instincts? And then when you get in the half court, that's where I would probably utilize Tyrese a little bit more, but maybe deep in the shot clock, try to find De'Aaron to, okay, sorry, we got nothing. They've kind of bottled up what we try to do on this right side. Let's get back over here to the left to De'Aaron and go go to work on a one-on-one ISO because we're down to four seconds on the shot clock. Um, again, I, I think it's a good problem. I think there was portions of the early part of the year where De'Aaron's numbers were down where I know they were trying to have Tyrese have the ball more. I think that's a good thing, but can you still get the magic of De'Aaron? I just gave you the the last three games of Tyrese, 24-11, 27-11, 21-10. Uh, you know, De'Aaron, I want to give you his numbers too because De'Aaron has been playing very well lately, and I know people talked about him getting off to a slow start, which he did, but he's playing much better now. And here's De'Aaron's last couple of games before having to sit out here. Uh, 28, 29, 31, 33 points. There's, let me see, assists. Five, three, four. He had a one in there. Um, 
you know, he can carry the load. He can carry the offense at times. And can you do all that while not losing Barnes and Holmes and Buddy and Mitchell? I mean, it's, that's the work in progress. That's what they've got to do. But out of circumstance, out of chaos becomes opportunity. And that opportunity was us to see Tyrese Halliburton as the man. And he did a great job with that. He really, really did. So we will That's talk we will talk more about that as the show goes along. And coming up in the next hour, we're going to visit with Lincoln Kennedy as he's going to join us to start the four o'clock hour. Still to come as well, much more on the Kings and even the Kings and Clippers game tomorrow. And we'll hear reaction from Adam Silver, how he plans to go forward with this protocol situation. And as we said, Chris Landry at 5. And we'll keep you up to date on the NFL games, which are getting ready to get started at 4 o'clock. But when we come back, Lincoln Kennedy, he joins us for his weekly visit. That is next here on Sports 1140 KHDK.